0: this is gary i'm shangar and you're listening to the bar um your ruti channel looks really yummy i mean it looks really yummy but you want to hear it sound so we are currently surrounded with food this is different i mean we're actually recording this episode while having food a lot of it and different types of it.
1: Different types of it. I mean, we have... Well, what do we have? Well, we have... Uh, I, I think this is Indian food. Yes, we have sweet appam. Appam, yeah. Which is dessert. No, we have torsay. Nonia kwez. We have nonya kueh. We have onde-onde. We have teh tarik. We have pau. Pirani. Nasi Yeah. Wow, gosh. We're just going to eat and have this thing. So it's
0: going to be very interesting.
1: I want to start off with like breakfast itself. Hotels,
0: right? Oh, I, l- I love breakfast Intercontinental breakfast No, yes, absolutely mm. But
1: do you know There's so much more diversity For like breakfast it. in Malaysia mm-hmm. Because imagine In the US mm-hmm. You can have This continental breakfast But it's very limited It's your sausage Your hash brown And that's it, right? You can't have nasi
0: lemak It's somewhat generic, yeah
1: Yeah But here You have everything From the west And you have everything From the east And you have everything That's so Malaysian
0: It's so diverse you It's can insane have a different breakfast Every day for the week And still not try them all
1: yeah, exactly. Right. It's insane the amount of food you could have, the different kind of food you could have for breakfast in Malaysia. You could have roti canai, you could have tose, you could have nasi lemak, you could have dim sum, you could have
0: chicken rice. Like this, appam I'm trying? It's sweet, yet the sides are slightly savory. And and this is a unique thing about Malaysian food is, it's not one thing in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Breakfast could be sweet, it could be a little bit sour, it could be a little bit salty. Yep,
1: yeah, and there's fusion everywhere. You realize, right? Like. I think someone's spoken about this before how on a plate of nasi lemak you have all the different cultures there you know there's so much diversity generally and I, I think I'm using the word too much at this point and,
0: and there's no rule of thumb right I mean you could have food that are very light for breakfast or you can have like rice like nasi lemak legitly for breakfast right mm-hmm. exactly and supper
1: imagine like back in France if you wanted to have supper after a night out at like 3-4am it's kebab it's very easy very simple choice it's kebab you don't really have much of a choice oh Malaysia right.
0: but, and we're talking pre pandemic time which I gotta say I've been missing that being able to get random things like waffle at 2am mm-hmm. right so yeah. specific so rare but yet a completely attainable in this country exactly
1: dim sum at 2am mama at 2am me goreng at 2am anything that anything. you want which is insane so like I think that says a lot and Malaysia like one of the first things you think of food. is the food
0: yeah and you think of the people and what bonds them together what brings them together mm-hmm. is food
1: you had a TEDx talk about that food. was titled, I'm just here for the food.
0: I mean, the episode was really about what I was doing within the community, feeding the community. And I guess it was my last TEDx. It was for TEDx Youth. And I was trying to think of a topic. And I realized the go-to line I kept using whenever people ask me, what are you doing here or why are you here? And i go like, I'm just here for the food. Interesting. So, so that became your tagline. Definitely. It's simple enough, but it also really sums up why I'm really there. A lot of times I go to all these major events or meet these people for the food example, I had this one meeting with a former minister and everyone said, oh, Gary, you got to meet this person so-and-so and and all that. Uh, What do you think? I said, well, the cake for breakfast is pretty good. (laughs) I was like, no, but Gary, what do you discuss? I'm like, "Ah." I mean, the cake was pretty impressive. Like, I must get the recipe. Right. I mean, I started my whole basis of my movement and NGO with street feeders purely on that mindset of food. I said, what would bring people together? How do I bridge that gap in society with the homeless? And I realised... My friends and I, we bonded over nasi lemak, particularly this nasi lemak called nasi lemak bumbung in Sipak. Mm-hmm. Amazing fried chicken. Yep. And we said, if we enjoyed it and we enjoyed the company of what that brought, won't it not be the same on the streets with our street friends? And so we essentially did that. We tap out like 100 nasi lemak packets and we went to the streets and we had a meal with them. It wasn't just feeding the homeless, quote-unquote. It was really building relationships, hearing their stories, exchanging ideas all around nasi lemak essentially
1: and that's such a powerful thing i don't think anyone ever realizes imagine trying to just walk up to a guy on the street and try to you know acknowledge him and try to talk to him he he might be he might not be open to to having you right he might just be like what do you want from me but imagine carrying a plate of nasi lemak and going like hey would you like to have some and he's open to you, right? Immediately he said, yeah, sure. And then he's welcoming you into his life. And then you can have conversations with him. How powerful is that? And it's not just any
0: packet nasi lemak. I know like, there's a stereotype out there like, oh, the homeless in KL particularly always gets nasi lemak. I gave my favourite nasi lemak, which says a lot, isn't it? My favourite nasi lemak, mm. the, the fried chicken, because, you know, the crispy skin and all that. Something that reminds me of what my mom. those days when she was mm. doing the soup kitchen. Yeah. She always said, Gary, never serve them or feed them anything you wouldn't eat yourself. And that has stuck beautifully in my mindset whenever I think of food, people I'm feeding in my house or even on the streets, right? You always want to give them the best. Nothing you wouldn't eat yourself.
1: Correct. And you want to share that joy and that, you know, happiness is best when shared. And you want to share what you have had with other people. So, and this reminds me of like Deepawali, right? Mm. I'm happy to call people over. I'm happy for people to have the muruku that my mom makes, the mutton curry
0: that my mom makes. You know. I remember that. List, like, like it was just yesterday, but now that I think about it, it was last year that was at your place for right? Deepawali. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's beautiful. Like, it's my opportunity to allow people in. Again, imagine I ask everybody to come over to my place, but there's no food served.
0: Imagine how weird that would be. It's crazy. And the beautiful concept that Malaysia in particular has, which is open houses. Despite the festival or holiday, the one thing common is we open our houses to people. Mm-hmm. To feed them, to bring people together for that fellowship, for that camaraderie over food.
1: Yeah, like a Raya open house People don't say, come and you know, let's have conversations No, you like, come and let's have food Let's come and have my rendang, right? That's the beauty in every sense, right? Even Chinese New Year, like you're ready to have the food for Chinese New Year
0: And speaking about open houses I think that's something that bridges the society in this country in particular, right? The king will open up his palace during Raya mm-hmm. The prime ministers uh, VIPs Despite your backgrounds, your social class it's like, hey, come, let's share a meal together, right? doesn't matter how big my house might be or who you are. That's the one thing we can all have in common.
1: Talking about diversity of food itself. So one thing I realized these days, even you go to Western places, there's always an Asian influence. Like, I know of an Italian restaurant that serves a fusion of Korean dishes. Mm-hmm. Imagine you have pasta, right? And we all know how pasta is meant to be served. Now you have tom yum pasta. What is that even? What is that exactly? It's insane. So, I love that. And that's one thing that I know for a fact that it's hard to get that anywhere else but here.
0: Speaking of pasta, and before I get into pasta, just I say, this rawatose, let's not do it justice when it dries out. Maybe it's the air conditioning in our studio. Mm. Um... Not as you know, yummy and tasty as if it was made fresh, for example. For sure. Um, but going back to pastas, I have recently started making my own pastas. Mm-hmm. Right, wow. Making it from scratch, from flour with eggs, and hand-rolling it, hand-cutting it, making things like gnocchis. Super complicated. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that I could have Italian music in the background, spend hours toiling in the kitchen mm-hmm. just to make this hot plate of pasta for my friends, family's neighbours. To me, it's not so much of the dish, but the... The soul, the heart The love that goes into making it It creates experiences right? Experiences, that's the way
1: you, Like you said You can just play some Italian opera in the background And you can have pasta And you can feel like you're in Italy And that's the magic of food Speaking about magic
0: I, You know, you were talking about experiences earlier
1: Do you cook yourself? To be honest, right now, no mm-hmm. I think you need to have the confidence for it You need to have the flair for it there was once a time when I enjoyed cooking When I was in the US I, I would experiment with pasta I would make the sauce from scratch I would, you know, use white wine and cheese And, you know, it was very nice But after years of not practicing it Very similar to a language If you don't practice, you get rusty right. You forget the ingredients you have to put in
0: So do you eat to live or live to eat? Mm,
1: very, very good question I think I, I live to eat, to travel, to enjoy life, you know to make meaningful relationships.
0: And that's the great thing about traveling is you also expose yourself to different kinds of cuisine, styles, people. I think that's one of my best parts of traveling, not just like visiting places to take pictures of, but to meet the people, learn how they cook, what makes them unique. I'm thinking back to my last trip to India, for example, we were exchanging recipes and dishes. Like one day we will cook something Malaysian. The next day they will teach me something Indian. And we have this melting pot of food and people and culture. I
1: love how, as you talk about India, I'm just munching on a papadum. So stereotypical. <laughs> <laughs> it's coincidental, but, you know, it reminds me
0: of India, right? Do, do you think that's what people in India eat during the cinemas? Instead of popcorn, <laughs> it's papadum, right?
1: I do, actually, I have no idea. I have do no idea.
0: No, actually, they eat popcorn. I, I, I've been there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but speaking of what you just said, that's essentially what Anthony Bourdain did, right? He would go around to different countries. He would sit down... Have all the dishes there They would talk about the dishes But it's the conversations Between him and his guests That really makes it That much more magical Exactly So at the end of it You learn everything You learn about the food You learn about the country You learn about the stories. You learn about the people You learn more about him And that was amazing And to be honest I think I had A similar experience A very Anthony Bourdain-esque Experience Travelling around Meeting people Mm -hmm. Eating You know The food there And having Amazing conversations
0: So I want to ask Like we associate Sometimes food With certain periods Of our lives Memories Do you have A particular food Or dish Associated with A fond memory Definitely right Basically everything That's created by my mum
1: Sunday mornings Tosay And chicken curry So that's an association That I can't shake off The biryani she makes For my birthday So for me That's happy association
0: So Yeah for sure, how about you? Nothing comes close to Mom's home-cooked meals I think that's, it's not just comfort food But some, something quite comforting about that mm-hmm. It could be very simple dishes But like I said It's made with love And it's on a different level You know, I'm eating dim sum right now And it just brought me back to my times Of having Sunday brunch with my family It used to be a thing Where we would always have dim sum In a different restaurant or hotel uh, On Sundays And it's so much so That it was like a ritual, isn't it? You, you wake up in the morning You go to church Then you meet up with dad For dim sum and so it's, it's so embedded in my memory That Tim Sum reminds me of family in some sense Um, Pao, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So did you actually eat the paper?
0: No, you don't Did you eat the paper? I, I, I actually think I did
1: so But they steamed it, right?
0: <laughs> so the thing is It's still made of paper Regardless whether you steam it or not
1: But I guess paper is
0: edible <laughs> But You see, there's a debate about the skin, right? There are some people who Like my mom, prefers to peel the skin off Uh huh. Um, and then there's people like me Who just can't be bothered And eats the whole thing Okay, let's talk about it
1: Pumpkin skin I don't eat pumpkin skin. But apparently it's good. It's got nutrients. Great. Apple skin?
0: I do, yeah. I think most fruits, like, I would just eat the skin. But now they say that it's waxed and stuff on the outside. I mean, I wash my fruits, so... Right. I think it's really more of a hygiene thing. Similarly, why some people peel the skin of a pao, it's just hygienic because it's steamed with uh, whatever, dirty water. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it tastes so good. That's probably what you're tasting, and also the paper that you're eating. Right? <laughs> it's yummy, though. <laughs> it's made from 200 grams A4 paper, so congrats. It's not been digested. Not recommended to people out there, but sure. Favorite dish, cuisine. Hmm, that's a very tough one, right? I'll tell you mine. For example, I love Japanese food. Such a ritual uh, that I have that every birthday, I must have Japanese food.
1: Right. Yeah. Interesting. So for me, I can't answer you explicitly telling you one dish that I like, but I can tell you I have association. So for me, tacos Tuesday, you know, on Tuesdays, I look for tacos. Sushi Sunday, that was a real thing that was happening um, in France with all my friends. So I would have sushi on Sunday Is that a real thing Or something you created Oh, I mean it's a, something I created But okay. it was a real thing That happened between My friends and I So there's always that And Fridays I normally crave for pizza Or burger You know something a bit guilty And Monday You try to be healthy <laughs> So there's all these Funny nuances And associations I make So every day is special And different parts of the year I look forward to other stuff
0: so if you have a taco business Just open on Tuesdays Don't worry about Wednesdays <laughs> so Like Mondays right No one's <laughs> going to come to you
1: No I mean You can open a Mexican Like <laughs> food truck And then Tuesdays tacos you know And then you can have Burritos
0: do, on Wednesdays Do you remember There was a point where Everyone was going crazy For food trucks Yeah Like people were literally Trailing food trucks Just to line up for This, this craze or That craze What happened to food trucks Actually, the pandemic, to be honest. No, no, but, but even before that, right? Because you think about it, food trucks has been around in, like, say, America, for example. Mm-hmm. Very common on the streets of New York. Yep. But when Malaysia started having it, it's like, ooh, it's a burger, but from a food truck.
1: Yep. And I think the John Farrow's movie, Chef, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that made food truck even sexier of an idea. And people people went out of their way to find
0: that. At and one point, I was seriously considering opening a food truck, right? by the way, as, as a proper business with my Let's friends. Let's do it. Yeah. The no bar I'm, zone food truck I mean not during a pandemic You're not going to get The same traction As when initially came right But uh, yeah
1: no. So season 3 We record in food truck Let's do it Okay so
0: sweet stuff Or savoury stuff Like what's what's your Go to preference usually I mean so generally savoury I'm less of a sweet tooth But you know At the end sometimes You just want something To hit that mark mm-hmm. I just like a bar of chocolate Would just do it for me
1: Right But like Malaysian
0: desserts Which, which is your favourite this is a, it's a great question. I I, I like nonia kwez. I mean, I'm looking at this really colourful array of nonia mm. right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love it because I feel like despite me trying every nonia kueh I've known, mm-hmm. there's always something I just haven't tried yet.
1: Right. And I love gulam laka. I think anything with gulam laka is great. Like Chendo is amazing It's out of this world, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like there's just some Can you get Gula Melaka anywhere else? I mean it's Gula Melaka, right? Literally But it's palm sugar yeah. I don't know of any other culture That like has such Do you know Gula
0: Melaka is called Melaka? Gula? Exactly <laughs> Funny, isn't it? <laughs> but is it really? No, it isn't <laughs> <laughs> But um, Have yeah Have you stopped the question Why is it called Gula Melaka?
1: Because it's from Melaka, right? Are That's you sure? I, is it not? I don't know was thinking about I it I know it's known as what is it called again in, in Sabah it's it, tea life had a drink um, calling it gula, gula aden or something I can't recall anymore at this point but that's also palm sugar as well but yeah on that note
0: that's all the time we have for this episode until next time bye-bye <laughs>